This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and Michael, I enjoy being with you each week here. I think our listeners look forward to this time together as well. It's great to have you back. We're going to talk about the M word later on. You know what the M word stands for, Michael? Uh, no, I'm movies. Afraid. Movies. We're okay. going to talk about movies. I know that can be a hot topic. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> now I grew up not being able to go to a movie. How about you? Really? Yeah. Um, it wasn't an issue in our house. Uh huh. Well, it was where uh, in the time and place that I grew up. Uh-huh. And uh, but you have to be careful. Obviously, we'll talk all about that later on the program here today. We also want to open the word, and we have some musical partners with us who are going to join you in song here on the program today. Michael, uh, oftentimes they're not heard on the program other than they're playing, but Scott Brazier's at the piano today, and Sam Levine is here with his, yeah. uh, his woodwinds. It's going to be great to have Sam. All right, so we're looking forward to our time together. But we are going to spend some uh, considerable time in the word here today, as we normally do each week. And we have invited back a very special lady to join us here today. Yeah, you know, you need to be careful what you ask for in (laughs) prayer. And I can remember a few years back, uh, we were praying, Lord, would you please send into our community uh, a woman who could uh, teach and disciple uh, and, and walk with some of our women? And lo and behold... Roberta shows up. In steps Roberta Wallace. That's right. (laughs) Roberta, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Dr. Roberta Wallace is a uh, teacher and counselor here in Tennessee at the Franklin House, uh, the foundation here. And uh, you've been with us opening the word before. We're we're looking forward to this, Roberta. Thank you. But before we actually get to the text today, there's a song we're going to ask Michael to do. You know, we don't let him off the hook here on this program. We make him sing his songs right here in the studio. And the song we're about to hear is called Then They Will Know... You heard this song recently, Roberta. I sure did. I, in fact, I heard it for the first time about, oh, maybe two weeks ago. Magnificent piece of music. I turned, I, I was working on this particular scripture. I turned the volume up as high as it would go in my office. <laughs> I, I got so blessed, I had a shouting party. I really did. It. There was a depth. Now, I love Michael's music, but there's, there's a, a, a broadness about this. He, he covered more ground in this. And it just it just set me on fire. Mm, uh, th- this this song is just magnificent. Well, Michael, tell us what we're about to hear. Well, this is a song that's based on a phrase that re- re- repeats uh, throughout the prophets, especially in Ezekiel. But it's this idea: uh, God keeps saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna heal them. I'm gonna wound them. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that." And the reason is always, so then they'll know that I'm the Lord. Hmm. Then they'll know I'm the Lord. And after a while, it repeats itself so often in the Old Testament that you realize that this really is God's heart, is that we would finally know and acknowledge that he is the Lord. And that's what the song's about. Well, we're going to come back and open God's Word with Roberta here as our teacher today in the studio, but let's leave Michael's mic open so he can sing for us. But let's make sure we don't leave Roberta's mic open because she might have a shouting party oh, we don't want as that, Michael huh? sings. <laughs> Father, then they will know I 
come, my own son, a word faithful hearts can't help hearing, and by his death, with his last breath, a father's forgiveness comes flowing, then magnificent message and piece of music. You know, it, it causes me to, to think, do you realize that there are only four chapters in the Bible that are paradise? Hmm. Only four. Genesis 1 and 2, before sin, and then Revelation 21 and 22, after sin. And all of the other chapters in this wonderful book, God is calling out a people. And the message of the song that they will know that I am Father. They will know that I am Lord. I think this has got to be the most important thing that we have to come to grips with. If you'll just allow me just to, just my favorite person, A.W. Tozier, let me just read a couple of oh, lines. I remember here. you quoted him last oh, time you were here. Oh, I, I, I tear my books up. I mark them. <laughs> I just, I love what this man has to say. He says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Mm. And wow. that's it. Mm. That is it. Mm. Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today over in the little book of Hosea. All right, a little hard to find for some people. Over in Hosea chapter, well, chapter 6. But let's pick up one verse above. Let's go to, to chapter 5. Well, let's, let's just begin at verse 14, where the Lord God says, I will tear Ephraim and Judah as a lion rips apart its prey. I will carry them off and chase all rescuers away. I will abandon them and return to my home until they admit their guilt and look for me to help again. For as soon as trouble comes, they will search for me and say, Come, let us return to the Lord. It is he who has torn us. He will heal us. He has wounded. He will bind us up. In just a couple of days, or three at the most, he will set us on our feet again to live in his kindness. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. And he will respond to us as surely as the coming of dawn or the rain of early spring. Hmm. O Ephraim and Judah, what shall I do with you? For your love vanishes like morning clouds and disappears like dew. I sent my prophets to warn you of your doom. I have slain you with the words of my mouth, threatening you with death. Suddenly, without warning, my judgment will strike you as surely as day follows night. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. Mm. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Mm. Now and I know where some of the lines in that song come from, yeah, Michael. Yeah. Absolutely. These, these marvelous words of this prophet, this, this was an incredible man, I, I began to realize. These are the words of the prophet Hosea to Israel. Now, 
just just a little bit of background here, not a whole lot. I will be teaching a whole Old Testament course. <laughs> but in the beginning, God had chosen Israel, and he had brought her into a blessed relationship with himself. He had entered into a covenant relationship with Abraham. He had redeemed his people and brought them out of Egypt. He had given them the law, and there was only one thing that he required, mm. and that was obedience. Um, just for a minute, if we could, let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let me show you something. Going all the way back here. We're going all the way back because this, this is the theme. Love me, follow me, worship me, but obey me. What mm. chapter did you say, Roberta? Chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Um, but beginning at verse 1, God says, If you fully obey all of these commandments of the Lord your God, the laws that I'm declaring to you today, God will transform you into the greatest nation in the world. Now, jump over to verse 15, same chapter. If you won't listen to the Lord your God and won't obey these laws I'm giving you today, then all of these curses shall come upon you. And then there's a very lengthy list there. Curses in the city, curses in the field, and on this list goes. And you get down to verse 20. For the Lord himself will send his personal curse upon you. You will be confused and a failure in everything you do till at last you are destroyed because of the sin of forsaking him. Mm. Jump down to 38. You will sow much but reap little. And this is the way this chapter goes on, and it's all about obedience. Now, later in Israel's history, we, we see something else that I think is just, just magnificent. Jump over to 1 Kings. I'm taking you just everywhere today, but I, I just think these things are so rich. You said you, you were trying to avoid an Old Testament survey here. Well, and, and I, you wouldn't believe what I left behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. Now, Solomon had just finished the temple. Okay, this is, this is the scene here. When Solomon had finished building the temple and the palace and all the other buildings he had already wanted, the Lord appeared to him a second time. I have heard your prayer. I have hallowed this temple which you have built and have put my name here forever. I will constantly watch over it and rejoice in it. And if you live in honesty and truth as your father David did, always obeying me, then I will cause your descendants to be the kings of Israel. Jump down to verse 6. However, if you or your children turn away from me and worship other gods and do not obey my laws, then I will take away the people of Israel from this land which I have given them. I will take them from this temple which I have hallowed for my name and I will cast them out of my sight. Israel will become a joke to the nations. Mm and an example, and a proverb of sudden disaster. Go down to verse 9. And the answer will be, The people of Israel abandoned the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They worshipped other gods. That's why the Lord has brought this evil upon them. Mm -hmm. And this maybe helps explain a little bit. Um, some of the words in Michael's song, it's yeah. the Lord mm -hmm. God who brings this on. I was just looking at that line, Michael, where you say, I will heal the wounds I make. Well, and, and I think what, what Roberta's done is really help us understand God's heart. Why would he insistently say, I'm going to do this, then you'll know I'm the Lord, then you'll know I'm the Lord, then you'll know I'm the Lord, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, and mm -hmm. so finally he sends Jesus. So we'll know. So we'll know. Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's just look a little bit at the situation in, um, in Hosea's day. Let's go back to the book of Hosea. That's where we began. And go to uh, chapter 4. But let's look at Israel's situation here. Chapter 4, Hosea. Starting right at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has filed a lawsuit hmm. against you, listing the following charges. There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. And that's, a, that's an interesting concept. Hmm. No knowledge of God in your land. You swear, you lie, you kill, you steal, you commit adultery. There is violence everywhere. That is why your land is not producing. It's filled with sadness. 
Verse 4, don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. Look, priest, I am pointing my finger at you. As a sentence for your crimes, your priests will stumble in broad daylight as well as in the light, and so will your false prophets too. I will destroy your mother Israel. My, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. Mm-hmm. And it's all your fault, you priests, for you yourselves refuse to know me. Therefore, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Now there's an indictment. Isn't that God's something? God's indictment, yeah. Against the religious system of the day. Mm. I mean, this kind of sets your mind churning a yeah. little bit. Bill Lane would call this the covenant lawsuit of God. <laughs> and it's, uh, it oh, is, it's a scary thing. It's mm. very scary. Yeah. And I think this is where we miss it. We don't realize how serious this is. Mm. We're talking an almighty, holy God, and we... We trivialize. Yeah, Roberta, I was just thinking that how often we point our fingers at unbelievers and talk about their sin. And here, it's the, the finger of God is coming right back at his own people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Israel's failure, really, to know the real character of God. That's it. Mm-hmm. Jump over to um, Hosea chapter 13. Put Michael to work and ask him to read some scripture here. Cool. Roberta, what okay, do you think? Okay, grab this up, Michael. Okay. Uh, chapter 13, Four to... verses 4 through 6. Okay. But I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the desert, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Mm-hmm. And wow. the key word there, you forgot. Mm. You forgot. Mm. Their worship was shallow. Their their desire for God was very shallow. And their, their sacrifices and burnt offerings just weren't enough. Mm. Well, that kind of brings us to the point then, what is it God wants from us? That's a good question. What does he want? And I, I think the answer is really quite simple. He delights in a heart that knows him, not external performance. Samuel said this over First Samuel. We won't even go there, but Samuel had this message knowing God, delighting in God, not not externals. David knew this. Mm. Oh, I can't. I can't pass this one up. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go over to Psalm 51. And, I saw that glint in your eye. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this. And I, I could teach for an hour just on Psalm 51. But go to Psalm 51 and jump way down to, I think, verse 16. This feels like sword drill. Yeah. <laughs> Swords up. Swords up. <laughs> Mind if I read this one? This is Psalm 51, beginning at verse 16. 16, 16 and 17. Okay. That, that will say it all. All right. This is the New Living Translation. You would not be pleased with sacrifices, or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O oh God, mm. you will not despise. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And and we find that theme several times. Mm. Well, there's another thought I want to I want to throw out here. The word religion as such does not appear in the Old Testament, but it's expressed Mm -hmm. like the fear of Jehovah. Now, I think that that prophet Hosea uses a more intimate expression and he calls the concept of religion knowledge of God. Hmm. To have the kind of knowledge God wants us to have, it's it's the kind of knowledge that has an effect on the person that's learning. Um, I I think Paul makes the distinction between uh, apprehending knowledge and being apprehended by it. Mm, That's the difference. That's the difference. And I I suppose this is, I'm sure you've heard this many times, people say, well, you have head knowledge, but you don't have heart knowledge. And maybe that's a way of expressing that same thing. It's knowledge that becomes part of your life and transforms you. Hmm. Perhaps that gives better understanding to um, the phrase that, that Hosea uses when he says, my people perish for lack of knowledge, that, that intimacy with God. They know not Jehovah. That's something else he says. Uh just so so deep well and then jesus comes to us as the wisdom of god this incarnation that we can know yeah Uh god says you 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 didn't accept it in in all of these other ways now i'll send my son i will come and 
mm. dwell with you. Now maybe you'll get it. Yeah. And we still don't get it. Yeah. I know there's more that needs to be said here, and we'll come back and talk more about knowing God, Roberta. But right here seems like the perfect point to pause and listen to Michael's song, a song that, Michael, I have... Uh, I have the lyrics to the song on my office wall, and I have mm. the lyrics to the song in our home. Wow. Mm. There is joy in the journey. Will mm. you sing that for sure. us? Sure. tire hearing that song. Mm. Michael, thank you so much. And there is freedom for those who obey. We're talking about obeying God here. Roberta Wallace is with us. We have a couple of more minutes, Roberta, to talk about this whole uh, wonderful thing about knowing God, the fact that he, he gives us the privilege of knowing him. You know, very often people will say, well, the God of the Old Testament, I, I just, he's such a, oh. such a cruel, such a harsh God. I don't understand this. Maybe, maybe we need to better understand what judgment is all about. Mm. The purpose of judgment all throughout the Old Testament, and we, I think we've illustrated it by these various scriptures, is to bring repentance that will result in newness of life that would consist of a growing knowledge of God. Mm. It isn't just judgment for judgment's sake. It's to produce repentance. One thing I just want to note about the prophet Hosea, because I think he more clearly illustrates the heart of God than perhaps any of the other prophets. Um, you, you take a look at him. He, he never lifts his hand to avenge himself. He is never guilty of any wrongdoing toward his wife. Mm -hmm. He's perhaps one of the purest men that we we could ever see. You know, a a man with an impure heart would have been full of anger Mm -hmm. over the events that went on in his life. Why me, God? Why me, this this horrible woman? But, But this isn't it. He loves her. He goes after her. He uh, he buys her back. Buys her back. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. there is so much just yeah. in this. We could do a whole program just mm. on Hosea. Oh. Mm-hmm. We really could. 
Uh, he suffered over Gomer's sin the way God suffers over ours. Mm. Uh, he continued to go after her. He, he loved her with a love that is so far beyond anything that we can know. Mm. And I think this illustrates to us the kind of boundless, never-ending love that God had for Israel and has for us. Mm. Mm. Roberta, even as we have to leave this here for the moment, uh, give our listeners a, a little little taste of where they should go from here with this. Well, you could take a you could study the rest of Hosea. And then if you were to go to the book of Jeremiah, you would see the same thing over and over. Um, I guess what I would suggest that listeners do is take a theme like this and follow the theme through. It's rich. It's rich. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, Roberta, uh, and, and this let's let you in on what we do at the Franklin House. Uh, we, this is how we deal with Scripture. This is how we uh, engage uh, at the level of the imagination. You've heard us say that again and again. And Roberta is uh, one of our treasures. So thank you for... Uh, thank you for skimming the top of the surface because I know you want to go much deeper. Oh, but... there, there is so much here, but yeah. I thank you. This, this yeah. is just a, anytime I can open the Word of God, it's a privilege. Oh, yeah. It's a privilege. We agree. Thank you, Roberta. And you are listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. Before we take a break, I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and Michael's ministry by going online. Our place on the web is found at www.michaelcard.com. And if today's study has reminded you about some questions you have about the Bible or living the Christian life, please pass those along to us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up in the second half, get ready to be challenged to think critically and biblically about what we watch at the movies. That and more after these messages on the Moody Broadcasting Network. in the studio with Michael Card, the second half of today's program. I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening today. And I think this will be an interesting segment as we converse with a Hollywood screenwriter here today, Michael. Yeah, we have Brian Godawa, who's written a wonderful book called Hollywood Worldviews. And I'm anxious to talk to him about film. Some people, well, I'll, I'll rephrase that. All people have opinions about movies. Definitely. <laughs> some Definitely. like them, some don't like them. We'll talk about that with Brian here in a few moments. But before we get to all that, let's uh, ask you to sing a song. We enjoy your music right here in the studio, Michael. And this song is called, uh, tell us about it. It's called Through the Eye. It's called Through the Eye. It's uh, based on a quote by William Blake. They must always believe a lie who see with and not through the eye. The mm-hmm. idea of seeing uh, with uh, your mind, seeing with your ma- engaging with your imagination, which I think is uh, what Brian's book is all about. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the movies next, but right now with guitar here in the studio, here's Michael Card, Through the Eye. And only those 
survive with it not through the eye through the eye they must always believe a lie who see with and not through the eye with it not through the Thank you, Michael. That is a good introduction to our conversation to come. Brian Gadawa is with us, and his book is called Hollywood Worldviews, Watching Films with Wisdom and Discernment. And as I said earlier, everyone has an opinion about movies. We want to give some biblical thought to it here Yeah, today. I think the reason I like this book is often uh, these kinds of books are outsiders sort of angrily shouting mm-hmm. at the movie industry. And what's unique, one of the things that's unique about this book is we have word from an insider who's really calling out to us, inviting us into the process. Good so, point. Brian, thank you for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Tell me, uh, wh- what are you trying to accomplish with your book, Brian? Well, I wrote it for several reasons, but one of them was um, I, I felt that uh, I wanted to help the church to be more interactive with the culture, and obviously particularly in movies. Um, I found that there are two extremes that tend to creep up in the uh, Christian circles, and that was uh, what I call the culture gluttons and the cultural anorexics. And the cultural glutton is the person who watches too many movies without really discerning. You know, they just watch everything and they'll let it wash over because they think it's just entertainment. And um, the other extreme is cultural anorexics, and those are people who, uh, because they see some bad in films, uh, then they they withhold from watching all films altogether, and maybe even TV as well. And uh, therefore, that person's sort of withdrawn from culture, uh, or that particular aspect of culture, and uh, they, you know, they become irrelevant, um, uh, unable to connect with people who are in, in the culture. And the cultural gluttons are so much like the culture that they don't really show any difference between their lives as Christians and the cultural lives of, of people around them. So both I find to be oftentimes ineffective in their means to connect and communicate the truth that they know. Uh, to the people around them. That's very helpful. We need to think uh, biblically about this today. I don't have the quote right here in front of me, word for word, but you say in essence that if we withdraw completely from the culture, then we have no hope of, of being part of God's redemptive plan for the culture. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I go further, and I even say that there's a sense in which, um, well, it's true that culture can be godless, you know, and but I find that in general, culture is usually a mixture of good and bad, and so we have to weed out the good, uh, weed out the bad, and, and, you know, learn what the good is, and I think that that's, we live in a fallen world, there's nothing perfect, and so therefore, uh, we can't totally reject things. We have to learn discernment to discern the good from the bad. And those who withdraw entirely from culture are, in a sense, uh, negating the image of God that's in man, because culture is part of our the dominion mandate. It's part of, uh, you know, in Genesis where he talks about, uh, you know, the dominion mandate. And um, uh, culture is part of that, and culture is part of the expression of who we are as human beings, and human beings are creating the image of God, and part of that that image of God is creativity. The Imago Dei includes creativity, and of course, culture it comes out of that creativity. So rejecting uh, part of our humanity is, in a sense, rejecting the image of God in man. Mm. Well, Brian, I was just at a re- retreat north of New York City, and we'd finally gotten some um, community happening, and we all started sharing more personally, and then I started talking about movies, and uh, a few people start laughing, and you know, we were actually talking about Groundhog Day that you talk about in your book, mm-hmm. and what our favorite mer- movies were, and then a couple of people you know, put put the brakes on and started saying, oh, I mean, how does that glorify God, going to movies and having fun together, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I would have loved for you to have been there at that discussion. Yeah, you know, I, I find that that's that's a real common a common thing, and and so one of the one of the things I did in my book was I, I wrote an appendix on sex and violence and profanity in the movies and the Bible, mm-hmm. and I I did a little bit of exegesis and and just an attempt to really sort of confront this thing head on and say, look, people, we've you know. We've got a double standard here. We accept a lot of sex violence 
and profanity in the Bible, and some of it explicit. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some areas of the Bible that's actually rated R, and, and, and I would suggest that if parents use the same rejection of some uh, movies, um, they would not allow their children to read the Bible either. Mm-hmm. And of course, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't allow all sex and violence. We have to look at the Bible. We have to say, okay, what is the standard? How far does the Bible go? And what are the, what are the standards that, the, you know, that we can draw from the Bible that can show us what is appropriate and inappropriate uh, sort of dealing with the sins of men, the vice of men? Because in reality, art if you want to communicate redemption, you have to communicate what you're being redeemed from. Mm-hmm. And you have to communicate that accurately. You have to capture it, the essence of it, the truthfulness of it. And that, of course, means uh, you know, describing it or expressing it in a, in a very uh, clear way. And so, consequently, the Bible has to show uh, the sins of men, sometimes in graphic detail, so that we see the power of redemption of what we're being redeemed from. Mm-hmm. So art has to do the same thing. And in fact, the Bible, the Bible is art. The Bible is, uh, it's a narrative. It's a story. It's a true story, but it's a story. Mm-hmm. And story is exactly what movies are all about. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say there aren't some bad movies out there. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, in the book, I, I draw some guidelines. You know, there's, you have to take into account consequences, context, how they depict or how they deal with violence uh, or sex and violence, you know, these issues. So there are guidelines that I think we can draw. So obviously things like pornography is not acceptable um, and even excessive violence that might be exploitative. But you have to determine what's exploitative and what's exposing of man's uh, depravity. And so that's where I say you have to get the, let the Bible draw those guidelines and then apply those same guidelines to the movies you watch. And that's my, that's my goal is to help people do that. That's, that's just one section of the book. Most of it deals with how to discern the worldview, because in a sense, many Christians and the watchdogs do this. Um, and, and there's a legitimate side to the idea of um, you know, counting the obscenities and seeing, you know, uh, how much excessive sex and violence in, is in movies, etc. There's a place for that, but I think, like Francis Schaeffer said so long ago, the more important aspect of, of what's going on in the arts and in movies in particular is the worldview that's being communicated. And there, in many ways, you can have some, you know, considered family films, like Walt Disney films or something, but they have an, uh, an insidious you know, worldview that's godless, you know, and, and that, that can, is, is in some sense more important than just the surface value of, of how much sex and violence is in Very it. Very interesting, Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciated, uh, I, I saw that you had dedicated the book uh, to two people, to Rookmacher and to, Sch- to Schaefer. Yeah. And, uh, and when you began to talk about existentialism, I was afraid that you were going to you know, throw the baby out with the bath, which I think maybe Schaefer did. But yeah. I was really uh, gratified to see, you know, you talk about, uh, I think you said something like existentialism has many uh, heads or something like yeah. that. I mean, basically, I've understood existentialist philosophy as dealing with the same issues, but that comes up with a, a whole vast different uh, number of answers for those questions. Yeah. Uh, but when you talk about the weaker brother, um, I was also very, very encouraged by uh, almost the the defense that you helped us to uh, to to construct against this weaker brother who isn't maybe weaker after yeah. all. Yeah, um, I think I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding of that passage as as to and, and applied to movies to to be to be well if there's someone around me who really thinks movies are wrong and bad then uh you know we should watch them you know and i don't think that's what it's saying at all because um usually the the what i would call the two the two brothers that are often confused with the weaker brother are what i would call the convinced brother and the pharisaical brother mm-hmm. and the pharisaical brother uh, and the convinced brother are, have a common in that they both strongly already believe what they believe say you know not not watching movies Movies, um, and they're not going to be swayed by your watching of movies. And that sounds uh, they're professional, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, of course, the Pharisee is the negative side. The convinced brother is just more of a mature side. Uh, but the weaker brother in, in the, those passages that Paul talks about, I'm convinced he is the person who uh, has a relationship with you such that if he doesn't think movies is watching right, but you do, 
your influence over him is such that he might consider going simply because, well, wow, you think it's okay to go to movies, so I guess I should go. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the weaker brother, the person who will be influenced by us. So these stronger convinced brothers and Pharisees that are around us that, you know, really take a stand against us, that's, those aren't the people we're talking about there. And you know what? I wouldn't go to a movie if someone that I felt, you know, if, if I felt the movie was like a, you know, like a, a road, Road to Perdition, you know, which I think is a very redemptive film, but it's violent. And I don't take my wife to that because she's very sensitive to the violent aspect of it. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, you know. So uh, there are some times in which I won't watch movies, but usually only with people who, um, you know, the, uh, the true weaker brother, not the Pharisee or the, or the strongly convinced brother. Yeah. And that's the spiritually proper way to deal it's with the, this, Michael. I mean, the, that's, we've the, talked about this before. It's the biblical way to deal right. with it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was, I was appreciative to, to have it articulated for me and, and made clearer. Well, I've got a problem. Um, you, you did another very Kierkegaardian thing. Uh, Kierkegaard talks about wounding us from behind for edification. Well, you did that uh, in the opening chapter of the book. You, you talked about uh, the cultural anorexic, and of course, I was sort of laughing at them and making fun of them. And but then you brought up uh, this cultural glutton, and uh, and then you gave the test later on. And I told you before we started this interview that I'd actually failed that test. <laughs> he wouldn't let me say that, but he just told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, because, I mean, for, for a group of us here, we talk a lot about the Empty Hands Fellowship, which is a, a men's sort of prayer fellowship group we have. We go to a lot of movies together, uh, and uh, and it, it really is a fellowship thing. We yell at the screen and, you know, uh, have sort of yuck it up and have a good time. Now, we have seen meaningful movies and had discussion times after them. But what do you say to the person like me who, who uh, a large part of movie going for me is escape? Uh, I, I mean, a, a movie, even a movie that was meaningful, uh, like uh, what was the Robin Williams movie where he died and, and went to heaven? Uh, yeah, that was that was what I would consider the worst movie of all time. Oh, really? What dreams may come? Right, right. Now, <laughs> worst movie in terms of its theology, but it was in a, everything, though. I mean, <laughs> oh, really? I, I thought it was beautiful, right, except gonna, for the special effects. Okay, yeah, well, that's a point counterpoint thing. Yeah, here no, today. you know, I'm no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with Brian on that. But, um, but that movie was an even with the bad theology. Yeah. That movie was an escape for me, and I had a lot of Christian friends very angry with, at me for even watching that movie. What I keep telling them is, I don't expect non-Christians to make Christian movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, the, and, you know, like I said, I would agree with you to the extent that everything's going to be a mixture. And, uh, you know, the good aspect that that movie does deal with, I think, is, uh, and, and I like this in any movie, um, it really makes you think about death, your own mortality, and it makes you uh, start to reevaluate your own personal life of, you know, man, I'm, you know, I'm going to be dying, and mm -hmm. am I, am I using, utilizing my time to the maximum, and, and I living in a way that's loving my neighbor as well as loving God, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, movies can do that without being, you know, correct, you know, theologically correct, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I would like about the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my, I, ha I agree with Tolkien when he talks about, you know, escapism is, is good, you know? Escapism um, is, is precisely a, a needed thing if, if in fact, you know, the world that you're escaping from can be a very dreary one, and there could be a lot of life in the world that you're escaping into. Mm -hmm. The only issue that we have to ask ourselves is, what world are you escaping into? Mm -hmm. And um, there are many movies that I really enjoy that are a mixture of good and bad, even in the worldview. And, and so my goal is is to aid us to see the worldview and... Uh, we would be more likely to, to then not enjoy those aspects that we disagree with, but to be able to still enjoy the aspects of it that are good. Mm -hmm. So like I say, a movie like What Dreams May Come and many other movies that deal, I love movies that deal with death because it really makes me reevaluate my time in my life and what am I doing with my life, man? Because, you know, I'm going to die and I, wanna, I don't want to waste my life, you so, know? So what about and, Flatliners? Oh, that's, that's a great example okay. of, of one of those movies, you know? Uh, it you know the theme is really they they kind of point to karma as the theme, but sure. in my opinion, it 
it, it's, it sort of borders on also the, the biblical concept of reaping what you sow mm-hmm. and, deal, and, and repenting from sin, which is very much in the film. Repentance from sin yeah. is a very strong essence of the redemption. And so uh, in many ways, I think, again, that's another movie that has a mixture. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't agree with the karmic concept that they bring no. up, but in some ways I think it's not really all in karma. It's, it's, it, it also has a notion of Christian repentance from your sin that brings about change in your life. And so that's my goal. You know, uh, you know, uh, so, yes, you can go to a movie, you can enjoy and be entertained. I'm all for that. But we just have to be careful to, to be always reevaluating ourselves and, and say, asking ourselves, you know, am I going too far? Am I allowing myself to be entertained by a worldview that, that I shouldn't? Uh, and, you know, there are movies that are, as, as a matter of fact, I don't, I don't know of any movie um, that doesn't have a, a worldview to it uh, and a strong one. And, I mean, even some of these gross-out comedies that you would think it's just bad jokes, like mm-hmm. There's Something about, about Mary or Shallow Hal, mm-hmm. you know, those are movies that have very strong Christian morals in them. Yeah. And so you may be offended by the gross-out comedy, but my point is there's, there, isn't, there isn't a movie without a strong value system or point, moral point or theme that it's making. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you, know, we can, we can, it, you know, hopefully we can uh, apply that discernment and be reevaluating ourselves so that we don't push ourselves too far. I want to talk more about that discernment, Brian. Brian Gadawa is with us. His book, published by University Press, is Hollywood Worldviews, Watching Films with Wisdom and Discernment. And by the way, uh, we're going to put a link to your website on our website. It's Godawa.com, G-O-D-A-W-A, G-O-D-A-W-A.com. But we'll put that on our website too, uh, Michael, michaelcard.com, because uh, there's a lot of resources available. Um, Brian has many of them in his book here. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I did that I, 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 one one of the things I do is like when I read a lot of books and I always love it when they have like footnotes at the bottom page because when I'm reading something like, gee, I'd like to learn more about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to be able to know where I can get it. So what I did was through the book, I put these little, um, you know, not, not footnotes, they're like... Um, Director, director's Cut. Yeah, Director's Cut. Yep. And and whenever I'm talking about a worldview or something, I don't have a lot of time to go into the in, in depth. So I say, look on my website, and I have articles connected to each chapter that can give you, if you want to learn more about the issues I'm talking about, you can read more. Some of the articles on the website are written by me, additional material. And then a lot of the articles are just great stuff dealing with the issues that I deal with in the book written by other people. Mm-hmm. So it's a real helpful uh, expanded sort of thing. Brian, what do you say to the person who struggles in any particular area? Perhaps they struggle with uh, their sexuality, and then they go to the movies, and it kind of feeds that uh, that struggle, that addiction. Uh, this, yeah. this is something that, obviously, you must avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, that that's a, a good a good question, good issue. And uh, definitely, if, if you really feel like you're stumbling by stuff that you're seeing, then you should uh, pull away from it. You should not watch it. Now, the problem... Uh, that I have is, like I said, everything's a mixture of good and bad. So even a great movie like Braveheart will have that, you know, uh, veiled sexual scene, you know, but it's definitely there. And sometimes they'll, you know, have the nude shot or something. And, uh, you know, my the best way that I found to deal with something like that is for your personal spiritual, you know, uh, nature, you know, you if you're at the movie, you, you know, you avert your eyes. You don't watch it. Uh, if the sound gets to you, then close your ears too. Or if you got a video, you fast forward it. Um, again, I know I have unbelieving friends who who are friends of mine, and they'll cuss like a sailor. Do I walk away from them because I'm offended by it? No. Uh, I'm still trying to interact with them and and uh, be their friend, and so. The same thing with a movie. I don't necessarily walk away just because there's one or two bad things. I can avert my eyes or what have you for the moment and so that I can draw what's good out of it from the bad. Now, obviously, if a movie's you know all about that, like pornography, or sometimes some of these even mainstream movies border on pornography, uh, pornographic, when there's too much of it in there, then I have walked out or I have turned the video off because it's just too much. It's ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to be adult about it and, uh, you know, draw some lines and try to try to be balanced. Mm. So watch the movies with your eyes open, that is, the eyes of your heart, the yes. eyes of uh, your spiritual eyes. Yes, because there are a lot of great movies with a couple of questionable scenes, maybe, or shots sometimes only, mm-hmm. but, but they're just, just fully rich with, you know, I mentioned one already, Braveheart. Um, 
there are movies like you know Saving Private Ryan, where it's just very violent, and uh, but the point of that is to repulse you to man's inhumanity against man, mm. to show you the horrors of war, and uh, but to show also that uh, it's ne- um, the, the the power of of the 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 death or the lives that were given for our freedom in order to understand what our freedom cost we really had to see see the depth of it of what we were you know freed through the, you know the lives of these men but the same same thing with other movies that might have uh you know, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Well, the can't. the last uh, um, Pearl Harbor movie I saw that was done that had the yeah. lengthy attack scene. I, I haven't cried in a movie in a long time. I started crying in the middle of that scene because I too. just I just wanted it to stop. Me too, exactly, yeah. man. Yeah. And 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 just you you just get this sense of what really happened to us, and and the the lives that of our men that were lost in that were just moving, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us. There, we could go on. I'd love to hear your like top ten favorite list, but we're gonna have to save that for another time. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. And you know, like I said, I, my my goal and my real heart here is not to be another per- Christian who's you know pounding against the movies, but also not to be a person who's saying, "Hey, you know, it's all good. Go out and enjoy." Mm-hmm. It's my goal is is to really help us to be more discerning in what we watch and. And to be able to draw the good from the bad rather than rejecting it all because of a little bit of bad or accepting it all because there's a little bit of good. Mm. We need to discern and, and interact redemptively with the culture rather than to walk away from it or to fully embrace it uh, without discernment. Well, Brian, thanks for this wonderful book, Hollywood Worldviews. Thanks a lot, guys. A lot to think about next time we're standing in line for popcorn at the movies. Well, thanks for stopping by in the studio with Michael Card. Now, before we go, I want to remind you to take a moment and send us your comments as well as your questions about the Bible or the Christian life. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. This radio program is just one aspect of Michael's ministry, and thanks to the web, you can just click for all the details at www.michaelcard.com. When you log on, you can find out the latest news, see Michael's tour schedule, and learn about the vision that guides this outreach. And then while you're online, don't forget to check out the complete listing of books, CDs, and Michael's latest DVD project called Scribbling in the Sand. There's a lot waiting for you, so bookmark the site and visit us often at michaelcard.com. And then join us again next week. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris. Our producer is Joe Carlson. And I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Cobb. The Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.